That's what you have to do, Corey. You have to tell them what to do. <laughs> so why do we clap anyway? What is with all the clapping? Um, you know, Scripture talks about that we praise the Lord when we clap our hands. Shout to the Lord with, with, with applause and, and clap your hands and, and, and shout to the Lord and, and declare his righteousness. But we also clap sometimes to encourage each other. And so we clap to encourage our, our students as they sing. And man, I am so, you guys did awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Um, I'm always extra moved to see students sing, you know, to see young people declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's, that is always extra exciting for me, so I'm grateful. Well, hey, we wanna take a few minutes and we're gonna honor our grads and, when, and then after we're gonna clap for them too, okay? So just a heads up. So all of our graduates, either from high school, college, or even grad school, I want y'all to come up to the stage. I'm gonna make you stand up here. So just come on, come on, come on. Come on up, come on up. Walking slower d doesn't help. You're still gonna have to get up here. So just come all the way up, all the way up. And in a minute, I'm gonna hand you a microphone and make you talk too. So just heads up. All right, Austin, move down this way a little bit. Darielle, come down this way. No, Simbi, you gotta come all the way up, all right. Come on, move down, move down. All right, move down that way a little bit, okay, okay. By the way, parents, this is a good opportunity for a photo. Okay, all right, Simbi, you get to start. Oh, no. So. Uh, so just tell us your name and where you're graduating from and what's next, okay? Like just like, like, like yeah, and then wh wh what are you doing after you graduate? <laughs> Your whole life plan, just lay it all out for us. Gosh, huh? yes. Yeah, just your name. Go Gosh. for it. Okay. You're setting the tone for everybody else, so. Oh, <laughs> I already forgot. It's Simbi. Oh, uh, okay. Right. Oh. Um, hi, my name is Simbi. Um, I'm graduating from OCP, and I will be going to UF in the summer to study pre-med. Um, hi, my name is Brianna Cooper. I am also going to be graduating from Orlando Christian Prep. <laughs> and I'm going to be attending Florida Memorial University and also studying pre-med. Uh, hello, my name is Connor Tremley. I am also graduating from Orlando Christian Prep. and I'll be attending Rollins College where I'll be studying theater. Um, my name is Gracie Ortales. I'm graduating from OCP, and I'm going to be going to Valencia for music production. Hi, my name is Allison Ojeda. I'm graduating from OCP, and I hope to be accepted in AMDA to study musical theater. My name is Yasmin Graham, and I will be graduating from OCP, and I'll be going to USF to study for computer science. My name is Nicholas Ross, and I'll be going to Southern University to study electrical engineering, and I'm graduating from OCP. My name is Donovan Cordes. I'm graduating from OCP, and I'll be going to Thomas More University to study accounting. 
My name is Tommy Pearl. I'm graduating from OCP, and I'm going to the University of South Florida to study entrepreneurship. So I feel like the all went out because I'm not graduating from OCP. Um, I'm graduating from Boone High School, and I'm going to UCF, you couldn't tell by the shirt, to study design. I'm Dariel Brito. I'm graduating from OCP. I'm going to Valencia for environmental protection and conservation. I'm Austin Lockhart. I'm graduating UCF with my bachelor's degree in environmental science, and I'm not sure where I'm going yet, so. Awesome job. And Karis, you forgot to tell everyone your name. Oh, did I? Yeah. I'm so sorry. My name's Karis. Hi. All right. <laughs> Well, hey, thank you guys for sharing with us a little bit. And the reason I wanted them to share with you is because I want you to, to remember them and pray for them um, as they head on to this next chapter in their life. And so uh, right now, we're, we're gonna pray for them as a congregation. So I'm gonna pray out loud and you can pray right where you're sitting. And I would encourage you to just lift up your hand towards them as we just pray for them right now. So God, I thank you for all of these students. God, I thank you for each of their individual stories. God, I thank you for their families and, and for the experiences they, that they've had in life, for the things that you have brought them through, the things that you have blessed them with. And Lord, I pray that each of them would take their story and their unique abilities, uh, their, their unique giftings, and God, all that you have given them. And God, I pray that you would help them to use those things in this next chapter of their life to be a blessing to the world. Lord, as, as the video just a minute reminded us just a few minutes ago reminded us of. Our prayer is that they would make a difference. And God, we believe in these young people, high school graduates and college graduates. Lord, we believe that, that you have created them uniquely. God, that you have a purpose and plan for their life and you have equipped them to make a difference in the world through your gospel and for your glory. So use each of them. God, help them to know that they are loved. Help them to know that we are proud of them. Help them to know that they are prayed for. And Lord, as they head on to this next chapter, God, I pray that they would seek you. I pray Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 for them, that they would trust in the Lord with all their heart and not lean on their own understanding or wisdom, but acknowledge or seek you in every area of their life, and you promise that you would make the path straight. You would direct them. So, Lord, lead and guide and direct. Give them the faith and courage to follow you. Um, we pray for them. Lord, bless them and keep them. Make your face to shine upon them and give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give them a hand one more time. Thanks, you guys can have a seat. Oh, also, hold on, come back this way, go this way, because Don Jacobson has a gift for you, he has a little gift bag. We've got some goodies in there for you, we've got a Target gift card, because every graduate needs a Target gift card, right? That's just part of the deal. Um, I think we also have some cookies in there. So I remember when I was in college, my favorite uh, my favorite gifts were every once in a while, my mom would send me a box, a U.S. post office box, you know, um, and in it would be a, a container of Chips Ahoy chocolate chip cookies and three $1 bills to go buy myself a gallon of milk. And that was like, woo, -woo. I mean, that was the, that was, and I would eat it in about 30 minutes once I got the milk and you know, you can eat a lot of Chips Ahoy cookies, I'm just saying, especially when you're a college student. 
But students, I, I pray those little gifts would just be a blessing and that you would just remember those, those things as you go and just know that we love you, we're proud of you. I wanna talk to you guys today as, as I talk to all of us here in the congregation. Um, we're gonna be in the book of 1 Samuel. We're gonna be in the book of 1 Samuel. Last week we were in 1 Samuel on Mother's Day and we looked at the life of Hannah. Hannah was a great mother that God used in a great way, and, and Hannah had a son named Samuel. And God used Samuel's life to make a difference in his generation. And so we're going to look at the life of Samuel. And graduates, I'm, I'm talking to you today, but church, I'm talking to you too, because God has uh, called each of us to make a difference in our generation and our time. And so we're going to look at the life of Samuel. I'm going to read out of 1 Samuel chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 18 through 21, and then a couple of verses from chapter 3, and then we'll get into the message this morning. So 1 Samuel chapter 2, starting in verse 18, says, Samuel served in the Lord's presence. This mere boy was dressed in the linen ephod each year. His mother made him a little robe and took it to him when she went with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife, May the Lord give you children by this woman in place of the one she has given to the Lord. Then they would go home. The Lord paid attention to Hannah's need, and she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the boy, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. Let me jump to 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, and it tells us, The boy Samuel served the Lord in Eli's presence. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and prophetic visions were not widespread. And then verse 19 says, Samuel grew, the Lord was with him, and he fulfilled everything Samuel prophesied. Let me pray. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is truth. And as we look at the story of Samuel and we look at his life, there are truths for each of us today. Lord, ultimately, every word of your holy scriptures point to Jesus and so, as we look at principles that we can apply in our lives, we can only do that through the power of your Holy Spirit given to us by your Son, Jesus Christ. And so, uh, this is not a self-help message. This is a message that calls us to rely on you as you equip us and empower us to make a difference in our generation. Lord, I, I pray for all of us today to have ears to hear and hearts to obey. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, I love the description here in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Um, so just a quick review. So last week we looked at the life of Hannah. Hannah was a woman who was not able to have children, and she prayed and said, God, I, I, I'm pleading with you. Please allow me to have a son. And if you do allow me to have a son, God, I will dedicate him to you, and he will serve you all the days of his life. And so God blessed Hannah, and she had a son. She named him Samuel, which means the Lord heard my cry. And once Samuel uh, got to be a boy, after, after he was uh, weaned, Scripture tells us, he wasn't dependent on his mother uh, for sustenance anymore. She took him to live at the temple. Now, he was a little boy. He was probably about five years old. And that sounds crazy to us, especially in our culture today. But 
Hannah trusted that God had a better plan for her son's life than she did, and that God could take care of, provide for, and protect her son better than she could. And so Samuel goes to live in the temple, and Eli is the priest. And so we talked about Eli a little bit in this passage. But I love 1 Samuel uh, chapter 18. It tells us that this mere boy, or this little boy, was dressed in a linen ephod. That was the special uh, robe that a priest wore. It was, it was made out of one piece of cloth, and it, it had kind of short sleeves, and it came just above the knees. And it also tells us that every year when his mom would come to visit, she would make him a new robe. I know some of you college students are really hoping your mom will make you some clothes and send them to you at college so you can walk around campus wearing uh, mom's handmade clothes. Well, for Samuel, mom made a robe every year and she would take him a new robe because he was growing and I guess she just had to kind of make her best estimate of how big the robe should be. In some years, she probably made it just right. In some years, it was probably a little long. Some years, it was probably a little short. But the point is, she, she made this robe for Samuel. And I can just picture this boy who, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, he's working in the temple and he's wearing this priest's outfit. You know, I, I, I think of like a little kid. I found this picture, put this picture up on the screen, right? Like little kids who are wearing business suits. It's just kind of odd looking. And I, I just kind of picture Samuel walking around in his priest's outfit, walking around the temple, doing chores, serving Eli the priest. But the robe and the linen ephod, this garment that Samuel had, they were important because they told people something. When they saw Eli wearing this linen ephod, this linen robe, and, and the outer robe, they knew that he had been dedicated for service in God's temple. The, the clothes that a priest wore were important, especially in the Old Testament. It signified that they were called and set apart for a specific purpose. And so these clothes that Eli wore signified that he was called and set aside for a specific purpose purpose. I, I kind of think of a graduation robe, right? And just uh, not too long from now, you guys will graduate and you'll put on a robe and you'll put on a cap and gown, have that little tassel. And I don't, it goes from one side to the other. I don't remember which one. And, and, uh, but everybody knows when they see you walk in, in that polyester graduation gown, they know, oh, these are the graduates. That's, that's who these people are. And in the same way, the people knew who Samuel was because of his little robe and his little linen ephod. So here's what's incredible. Even though Samuel was really young, God had an extraordinary plan for his life. Samuel came of age at a time in the history of the nation of Israel where things were pretty bad. Things were pretty bleak. If you remember some of your Bible stories, you'll remember Moses. And Moses led the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. Maybe you remember that story. And he led them into the desert. And for 40 years, they wandered around in the desert. But at least they weren't slaves anymore. And then God raised up another man. His name was Joshua. And Joshua led the nation of Israel into the promised land. Maybe you remember the story of Jericho. They marched around the city of Jericho and the walls fell down and God delivered the city to them and, and God blessed them and gave them a land to call their own. But after Moses and after Joshua, things began to go downhill. In the book of Judges, it tells us this in chapter 2, verse 10. After them, that is Moses and Joshua, another generation rose up who did not know the Lord or the works 
that he had done for Israel. And then at the end of the book of Judges, by the way, Judges is the most bleak book of the Bible. It just tells about all kinds of craziness that took place. God's people would rebel. They would say, God, save us, and he would save them. Then they would get even worse rebellion after he saved them. So in Judges 21, verse 25, it says, in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did whatever seemed right to him. And this is the time This is the culture, this is the place that Samuel is born into. He's born into a time when people just did whatever they want, whenever they wanted, and and there was no authority, and and it was just kind of like a a wild west. There was rebellion, and, and the people of God were not following God. We're told about a couple of priests. They're the sons of the high priest Eli, and their names are Hophni and Phinehas, and they were bad guys. Let me, let me just read you what uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12 says. says, Eli's sons were wicked men. They did not respect the Lord. Again, this is the place where Samuel is being born into. This is the place where God has called Samuel to make a difference in this world where, um, where right is not right anymore and where, where people just do whatever is right in their own eyes. So God raised up a man to make a difference. God used Samuel to make a difference in his generation. And graduates and church, God wants to use you to make a difference in your generation. He wants to empower you and equip you to make a difference in your generation. So we wanna look at the life of Samuel and see how God equipped him, how God empowered him to make a difference. I just read the verse, 1 Samuel 2, 12, that tells us about Eli's sons who were wicked. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 26, says this. Put this on the screen for me, guys. 1 Samuel 2, 26. By contrast, the boy Samuel grew in stature and in favor with the Lord and with people. It specifically tells us by contrast. It's making a distinction between the sons of Eli and Samuel, the son of Hannah. There's this difference between them. Samuel grew in stature and in favor with the Lord and with the people. So let me tell you about Eli's sons really quick. 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 12 tells us this, Eli's sons were wicked men. They did not respect the Lord or the priest's share of the sacrifices from the people. When anyone offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come with a three-pronged meat fork while the meat was boiling and plunge it into the container kettle or cauldron or cooking pot. The priest would claim for himself whatever the meat fork brought up, and this is the way they treated all the Israelites who came there to Shiloh. Even before the fat was burned, the priest's servant would come and say to the one who was sacrificing, give the priest some meat to roast, because he won't accept boiled meat from you, only raw meat. If that person said to him, the fat must be burned first, then you can take whatever you want for yourself, the servant would reply, no, I insist that you hand it over right now, and if you don't, I'll take it by force. So the servant's sin was very severe in the presence of the Lord because the men treated the Lord's offering with contempt. Now, I know that doesn't make a lot of sense, so let me tell you what it's talking about. God had designated that his priests had the opportunity to get meat from the sacrifice that people would bring. This is the way that the priests were paid and and they were able to feed and provide for their families. But what God said in the Old Testament was that the meat had to be cooked first and then they could stick in their fork and they could get a piece of meat. 
But what these guys would do is as soon as people put the meat in the water to start boiling, they would just stick their fork in and just yank out the whole piece of meat and say, the priest wants this. And they'd say, no, no, it has to boil first. The fat has to be burned off because the fat is what kind of holds the big piece of meat together. That's what makes a ribeye really good, that marbling in there. And it, anyway. But these guys would stick the fork in and they would just yank out the whole piece of meat before it cooked down and broke down. And they'd say, no, the priest wants this and if you don't give it to him, then we're gonna take it by force. These were the priests who were serving in the temple. It was a bad day. Then in verse 22 of 1 Samuel chapter two, tells us another story about Eli's sons. It says, Eli was old and he heard about everything his sons were doing to all Israel and how they were sleeping with the women who served at the entrance to the tent of meeting. He said to them, why are you doing these things? I've heard about all your evil actions from all these people. No, my sons, the news I hear the Lord's people spreading is not good. If one person sins against another, God can intercede for him. But if a person sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him? But they would not listen to their father since the Lord intended to kill them. So first, these guys are, are stealing sacrifice, meat that belonged to God, that was an act of worship for the people. And they said, no, we want this. And if you don't give it to us, we're gonna take it by force. And then they were sleeping with women who served at the temple, who served at the gates of, of, the, of the tent of meeting. The, the temple was not built yet, but there was this tabernacle where the people would come to worship. And Hophni and Phinehas are sleeping with these ladies. They were pursuing the priorities of a broken, twisted culture. I mean, it was, it was material gain, money. It was power. If you don't give it to us, we're gonna take it by force. And it was sex, money, power, and sex. That's what motivated these guys. And so when scripture says, by contrast, it's telling us Samuel lived a different kind of life. While the culture around him behaved in this way while even leaders, even spiritual leaders in the culture around him lived this way, Samuel lived differently. So what is it about Samuel's life that was different? Here's the first thing. Samuel learned how to serve. Samuel learned how to serve. 1 Samuel 2.18 tells us Samuel served in the Lord's presence. Samuel learned how to serve throughout the story of Samuel's life. He's serving. He's serving the nation of Israel. He's serving God. He is serving the people of Israel. Samuel learned how to serve. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve others, to give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus said, the, whoever wants to be greatest will be the least, and, and the last will be first. The, the servant will be the greatest of all in the kingdom. We are called to be people who serve, who serve God first, and then who serve people. And Samuel learned in his life how to serve. Here's a couple of things about a servant. A servant knows that they are not the ones who call the shots. And we need to understand that. We are people created by God for his purpose. And he is the boss. We're not the boss. We are his servants. And man, the earlier you can understand that lesson in life, that God is the ultimate authority, the better off you will be. Samuel learned how to serve. He served God. He served 
people. He was a servant. Here's the second thing about Samuel. He learned how to stay close to God. Samuel learned how to stay close to God. 1 Samuel 2 verse 18 tells us that Samuel served in the Lord's presence. And and that phrase, in the Lord's presence, literally means with Yahweh or with the God of Israel. He served in the Lord's presence. He served living a life of closeness, of nearness, of fellowship with God. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, uh, it tells us part of Samuel's job in the temple was to keep this special lamp burning. There was a lamp that was in the temple and, and it was supposed to burn 24-7. And, and part of Samuel's job was to be there and, and make sure the lamp kept burning. And so at night, he slept inside the temple near the lamp. First Samuel 3, 3 said, Before the lamp of God had gone out, Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was located. Now this ark of God is the ark of the covenant. And in the Old Testament, it has a special meaning. It is the the physical presence of God. The ark was the physical presence of God. Inside of the ark were the tablets of the Ten Commandments that God had given to Moses. There was a rod in there that, that Moses threw down and it turned into a serpent. If you remember the story of Moses appearing before Pharaoh. There was manna that God had given to his people that was this food that that didn't spoil and it was inside of the Ark of the Covenant. It was these physical items that reminded people that God was with them. But not only were there physical items, the very actual literal presence of God dwelt there with the Ark of the Covenant. Later in in the book of 1 Samuel, we see that the enemies of God, the Philistines, captured the Ark of the Covenant in a battle, and God started just wiping them out just because the Ark of the Covenant was in their city, because it was the presence of God. And as Samuel camped out there in the temple right next to the Ark of the Covenant, he was literally there in the presence of God. Now, There's no longer an Ark of the Covenant. I mean, maybe I think Indiana Jones found it once, but now it's boarded up in some (laughs) top secret facility. Um, But here's the thing. We don't need the Ark of the Covenant anymore because Jesus Christ has given us his Holy Spirit. And God's word says, do you not know that you are the temple of God? That God's presence dwells inside of us who have called on the name of Jesus for salvation, who have been adopted as the sons and daughters of God. We have the very living presence of God in our lives. Romans 8 says the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is alive and at work within us. And so this idea of staying close to God means that we live a life in tune with his Holy Spirit. In the book of Galatians, Paul says, walk in the Spirit, that daily we surrender to the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives, that we, that we desire and pursue the presence of God in our lives. King David was a man who was a, called a man after God's own heart because he pursued God. Psalm chapter 63, David says, my soul longs for you, I I pant for you, I'm like a deer longing for water. It's this idea of this hunger and thirst for God and for his presence in your life. And Samuel learned to cultivate and to pray for that, that 
closeness, that nearness to God. Samuel learned how to serve. He learned to, to stay close to God. And students in your life, I want to encourage you to pursue God, to, to pursue the things of God, to pray for a hunger and a thirst to follow after him, a desire to stay close to God. Samuel learned how to serve. He learned how to stay close to God. Samuel also learned to listen to God. So 1 Samuel chapter 3 is a, is a well-known Bible story. Samuel is living in the temple, and Eli is the priest, and he's a very old man. And in 1 Samuel chapter 3, it tells us that while Samuel is there sleeping in the temple by the Ark of the Covenant, he hears someone call out, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel runs into Eli's bedroom, and he says, yes, Eli, did you call me? And Eli says, it wasn't me. Go back to sleep. So Samuel goes back to sleep, and he hears it again. Samuel, Samuel, he runs into Eli's room and says, Eli, what you need? Eli says, go back to sleep and don't wake me up again. It wasn't me. So Samuel goes and he lays back down and scripture tells us that again he hears, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel goes into Eli's room and Eli says, all right, it wasn't me. I think it was the Lord. So the next time you hear him call your name, I want you to say, speak, Lord, because your servant is listening. So Samuel heard that. And in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 10, it says, The Lord came, stood there, and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel responded, Speak, for your servant is listening. Now, here's what God told Samuel. He said, Samuel, I want you to go tell Eli that his sons are about to die. Because they are wicked men. They have rebelled against me. And they just keep on living in rebellion. So in the morning, you got to go tell Eli and scripture tells us that Samuel was terrified, right? This young boy has got to go tell this man who's really been a mentor to him this horrible news. But he listened and he obeyed. Now, just like there's not an Ark of the Covenant that is the presence of God in our lives, God doesn't speak to us through prophets anymore. He doesn't speak to us audibly anymore. Hebrews chapter one, verse one says, long ago God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets at different times and in different ways. Verse two, in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. And God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. Samuel literally listen to the voice of God, but we have the incredible privilege of God's word recorded for us right here in the Holy Scriptures. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is literally God-breathed. This is God's words to us. My dad texted me this morning a, a little prayer and, and uh, something that he had read that, that said that, that the Bible is, is kind of like God's DNA, Right, this is like this is all that God has for us. And, and when, we, when we hide God's word in our hearts, God transforms us, he changes us. When we learn to listen to God, what I'm talking about is, is listening to God's word. By reading God's word, by listening to God's word, by being around God's word, by not just 
listening to it, but by allowing it to change and transform your life. There's lots of ways to do this. I mean, we all have access to Bibles. In fact, it, 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 there are places in the world where there is no access to God's word, either because there's not a translation in that language or because it's, it's illegal in some places and, and people are hungry for God's word. But in our culture, I mean, you can, get, you can buy a, a Bible at the checkout line at Walmart, like, you know, in the like inspiration section. Um, we just have Bibles everywhere, and sometimes we take for granted that this is the Word of God, the living Word of God that has the power to transform and change our lives. Samuel learned to listen to God, and if we want to live a life that makes a difference in our generation, then we need to listen to God's Word. Not only listen, but Samuel learned to obey God. Samuel learned to obey God. I told you that God gave Samuel a difficult message in 1 Samuel 3, verse 15 says, Samuel laid down until the morning. Then he opened the doors of the Lord's house and he was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Verse 17, what, has, what was the message God gave you, Eli asked? Don't hide it from me. May God punish you and do so severely if you hide anything from me that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and did not hide from him. Eli responded, he is the Lord. Let him do what he thinks is good. I just want you to put yourself in Samuel's position to have to deliver hard, hard news to a man who is a leader in your life. And sometimes when we're following God, when we're living a life serving God, staying close to God, listening to his word, he'll call us to do some challenging things. He'll call us to do some hard things to have some hard conversations, to maybe not pursue a career where we could make more money, but we can't make a difference. He'll call us to do some things that, that might not make sense to everyone. But Samuel learned to obey God. And young people, graduates, church, I want to encourage you to learn to obey God, whatever he calls you to do because he knows what's best. And he wants what's best. And he has the power to pull it off in your life. When we trust in the Lord with all of our heart and don't lean on our own understanding, but seek or acknowledge him in everything, then he makes the path straight. And it might just be one step at a time, but God is working if we learn to obey. So Samuel learned to serve. He learned to stay close to God. He learned to listen to God. He learned to obey God. But here's the last thing. Samuel was equipped by the Lord for this mission. Samuel was equipped by the Lord for this mission. Samuel didn't just, it's not that Samuel was just an exceptional person. It wasn't that Samuel had more willpower or, or more talents or more abilities than anyone else. God chose Samuel and God equipped Samuel and gave Samuel the strength and the power and the faith to do what God had called him to do. And this morning, graduates and church, I'm not just calling you to like dig in there by your own willpower and serve God better and pursue God better and listen to God better and obey God better. 
It starts with understanding that God has equipped us and given us all that we need for life and godliness, Scripture says. Now, remember, uh, remember Samuel's little robe, right? His, his, little, his little kid priest robe. It's this, it's this robe that designated that he was chosen by God for a specific purpose, serving in the temple. It reminds me of another robe that's mentioned in the book of Isaiah, chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10, the writer says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord, I exalt in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation and wrapped me in a robe of righteousness. Samuel was given this linen ephod and this robe and it designated that he was a servant of God. And those of us who have called on the name of Jesus for salvation, we are given a robe of righteousness. It's not our own. It was something that was given to us. In Samuel's case, this robe was made by his mom and brought to him. But in our case, we have a robe that was God's plan from the foundation of the earth and that was bought for us on the cross by Jesus Christ's death and resurrection and then given to us as a free and precious gift. It is the robe of righteousness. And students, before you can learn to serve God, before you can learn to pursue God, before you can learn to listen to God, before you can learn to obey God, you first must come to God and get that robe of righteousness. We do that through faith. The Bible says that to all who called on his name, God gave the right for them to be adopted as the sons and daughters of God. This is beginning a relationship with the creator God of the universe through the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ. We can come to God in faith. And he gives us a robe and he makes us, scripture says, a brand new creation. And he empowers us to serve him to seek him, to listen to him and to obey him and our lives can make a difference in our generation. And so this morning, if you've never come to that place of faith, then, then I would encourage you to come to a place of faith. The reason we need a robe of righteousness is because on our own, we are sinful. Isaiah also says that, our, that our, our, the robe that we're born with is dirty and filthy. It's like filthy rags. So that's why God comes to give us a robe of righteousness. And graduate, students, congregation starts there. And then God begins to change us and transform us by his spirit to be people who learn to serve him and to serve others. When we surrender to him in our lives, that learn to seek him and grow in our relationship with him, that learn to listen to him and, and that his word really does become a lamp for our feet and a light for our path than to obey him and to make a difference in our generation. So I'm gonna ask you to stand up with me. I wanna pray for you. We're gonna sing a song, and as we do, if you wanna come pray this morning, I would invite you to come pray. Students, we would love for you to, to just come pray and, and ask God to lead and guide as you enter this next chapter of your life. Parents, congregation, be praying for our students today. But church, I, I wanna encourage you too that God has called you to make a difference in your generation.
today, where you're at in your workplace, in your family, at your home, in your community. Let's seek him. God, we love you this morning. God, we thank you so much that you have given us robes of righteousness, that you have clothed us with with your precious gift that it's not about our effort and, and living this life on our own, but God, through your strength. So God, help us to surrender in obedience to serve and to obey. Lord, I pray for everyone here today, especially for our students. God, that you would strengthen them to live lives that make a difference in their generation. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. As we pray, I invite you to respond as God is calling you.